This is Tell Me What to Read, the podcast at booktopia.com.au. I'm Nick Wasiliev, and today it is time for another YA and middle grade spectacular, celebrating all the incredible new books for kids, teens, and young adults. This week, Sarah sits down for a special interview with the one and only Adam Hills, author of Rockstar Detectives. Check the show notes below for timestamps for all interviews, as well as links to all books mentioned. Now over to Sarah's interview with Adam Hills. Hi, I'm Sarah, Kids and YA Category Manager at Booktopia, and I'm so delighted to be talking today with comedian, TV presenter, and most importantly, author, Adam Hills. Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. Ah, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, for everyone listening, can you just give them a bit of a rundown on what they can expect in your brand new book, Rockstar Detectives? Yes. So, uh, Rockstar Detectives is about two 12-year-olds, Charlie and George. Uh, Charlie has become a bit of a rock star because George filmed her singing in the classroom and it went viral. So much so that she's now doing her first ever tour and George is on tour with her as her social media manager. Um, But everywhere they perform, a valuable piece of art is stolen, uh, like a Van Gogh or a Da Vinci, and all the evidence makes it look like Charlie and George are the ones doing it. So they have to solve the crimes in order to save their careers. And I mean, there's, they've got a dodgy manager who's Sam's, uh, uh, Charlie's mum's cousin. There's a jealous girl at school. Uh, there's a strange girl, a strange backpacker with red hair. And there's someone online that they're not entirely sure about who seems to know a lot about the crime. So somehow in amongst all of that, they've got to work out who's uh, stealing the art and why it looks like they're the ones doing it. I had such fun reading this book. I thought it was really warm and funny and just delightful. And I thought it was such a genius idea to combine two things that I've always liked separately, rock stars and detectives. (laughs) <laughs> um, but in kids' fiction and with a dash of fine art theft on the side too, where did you get the inspiration to, to sort of tell this story and combine all those elements? Genuinely, it came about from my daughter, who was, I think, eight at the time, and said quite concerned one day that she, she, wasn't, she didn't know when she grows up. She said, I, I don't know if I want to be a rock star or a detective when I get older. And I was being encouraging and went, I think you can do both. You can be a rock star and a detective. You can do rock shows at night and solve crimes by day. And that literally is where the idea came from. Just, and my daughter had been reading a lot of Robin Stevens novels, the detective murder most unladylike series. So she was right into the detective books, but she wanted to be a rock star. So that came out of her mouth. The fine art, I wasn't sure, I'll be, I'll be honest. The reason that came about was because Around the time that I started writing the book, we were taking little family trips from London over to Europe. And the first trip was to Amsterdam and we went to the Van Gogh Museum, which I love. I love the Van Gogh Museum. And my favorite piece of art in there is a painting of an old pair of boots and it's small. And I thought, while we were looking around, I thought, oh yeah, this could be, this could be the first thing that's stolen because it's small enough that you could probably just put it into a backpack or something. And then everywhere else we went on holidays, I thought, oh, I can use this as research. So literally the next place we went was Rome and we were walking around the Colosseum and I was thinking, oh, what could you steal? What's small enough and valuable enough that you could steal? 
And like, if any police officer had heard what was going through my head, I would have been arrested on the spot. So, <laughs> you know, there's, there's that old thing of write about what you know, but I really just hijacked our, our entire holiday and turned it into the book. And thus, Rockstar Detectives was born. Yeah, even to the point where we went to the south of France and we went to the chateau where Leonardo da Vinci spent his last few years. And I thought, oh, I like that this one's out of the way. It's not a, it's not a, um, you know, a massive tourist spot. And so I kind of wrote that in as like, you know, they went, they purposely went somewhere out of the way. Well, for a whole bunch of reasons, but um, yeah, it, it, yeah, write about what you know. That's, it's, you know, that, that tenet came true. I did love the da Vinci part. I kind of figured as well that it's, I mean, it, it ended up being accidentally educational, but I brought a, I brought a flyer on, um, now there was a kids activity pamphlet from the Chateau de Clos-Lucet, I think it's pronounced. So I brought it back with me so that I could use it for research. Oh, I got it. I was kind of looking through it going, oh, when I was trying to describe the rooms, I was either looking at our photos or looking at the pamphlet going, oh, you're right. Yes, that's right. The room looked like that. <laughs> so, you know, I did try to make it, vaguely educational but but also things just fell into place like you know the the pair of boots was my favorite painting and then when I looked at it I thought well it's kind of like Charlie and George it's like a pair that that don't quite fit but they look amazing together oh that's so that's so well said (laughs) (laughs) so um it's been a few years and a pandemic I guess um since we last had the pleasure of speaking with you on publication Mm. of your memoir can you tell us a bit about what the experience of writing and releasing Rockstar Detectives was like versus um, your memoir? Well, I mean, the, the pandemic directly affected it. So I'd, I'd, I'd written a whole bunch of chapters. I'd sent them off um, to the publisher. We were going back and forward. I wasn't sure if they were going to say, yes, we want this whole book or, or not. And then the pandemic hit in 2020 my wife and kids had already moved back to Australia at that point because the girls were homesick and my wife had work. I flew home. I think it was like March 21st, 2020. Um, a week later, Melbourne went into lockdown. Uh, and literally that weekend I got the contract through to write the book. So it was perfect timing. Um, but it then became really tricky because you know, you're doing homeschooling. Like when I wrote the first one, the kids would go to bed. I would excuse myself go out to the office and I'd write for an hour or two. But this time there was just no, there was no time on our own. So my wife and I had to, had to, had to basically go, right, I'll do homeschooling today. You go and work in the, uh-huh. in the other room. And then tomorrow you do homeschooling. I'll go work in the other room. And so that's kind of how I wrote <laughs> Rockstar Detectives. Like weirdly with my own little two rock stars in the other room, but me out in the, in, in the office. Um, but then because of hotel quarantine, uh, I did. I made two trips back to Australia, and each time I had to do two weeks of hotel quarantine. So I had I had fourteen days in a row in a room on my own, not allowed out, no one to you know talk to. It was like a, an enforced writer's retreat. It was perfect. <laughs> I couldn't leave the room, so I just had to write and then edit. And so I, I even thanked the Australian government in the acknowledgements. Oh <laughs> I'm not sure I would have got it written if not for hotel quarantine. <laughs> Well, when writing a novel that has any kind of crime or mystery element, um, even for kids, or perhaps especially for kids, as, you know, you can't get anything past them, it Mm. involves a lot of careful plotting and juggling of suspects and motives. And obviously 
we will tread lightly around this and not reveal the guilty culprit in Rockstar Detectives. But I always love asking when I'm speaking to crime writers, did you know from the outset who your guilty party would be or did you sort of have to figure it out from a few possibilities along the way? No, I knew from the outset. I knew from the outset. I, I even... I would say after having written about five or six chapters of the book, I then skipped to the very end and wrote the reveal, uh, or at least outlined the chapter in which the guilty suspect is found so that all the pieces that, that fell into place that identified that person as the suspect were there at the end. And so that I could then knew that I could go back and place them throughout the book. Um, so no, all along I knew exactly who the guilty suspect was. And in fact, we, I had a, a few back and forths with the editor because the editors were saying, I think you should put some more clues in. And I was like, no, because I don't want to make it too obvious. Uh, I thought it was perfect because I was taken by surprise. Um, I'm not your target audience for this book, but I was definitely, <laughs> I was definitely taken by, by surprise, but not in a way where it didn't make sense. It was one of those twists where you were just like, oh, I wasn't even looking in that direction, but it all oh, makes good. sense. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of this, I mean, in a weird way, that's the secret of comedy. Com I, I think that's why they like comedians as, as kids authors, because comedians often work backwards from a punchline. Often you'll come up with the punchline of a joke first, and then you have to work out how to get there. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what you do when you're writing, uh, certainly a, a detective novel. However, having said all that, I can't take all the credit because at one point, a friend of mine said to me, did you do that thing where you put post-it notes up on the wall so that everything joined up and made sense? And I went, no, and I really wish I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> after the first or second edit, we were all confused. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> In fact, after the second draft, the editor made me write out a timeline and went, right, I don't know, I, I'm confused now. I'm not sure when all of this is happening. You need to write this out for me. So, and I told her and I said, um, Someone asked me if I, if I did, you know, did the thing with post-it notes on the wall and I didn't, and I wish I had. And she went, yeah, especially with a detective novel. Yeah, you you're exactly your right. A detective novel, board. everything has to fall <laughs> into place. And um, I've made the mistake again because I'm writing the second book now and I'm about two-thirds of the way through. I planned it out better this time. I planned it out chapter by chapter and kind of in a timeline. But there are still moments now where I'm going, oh, did I, did I mention that earlier on? I can't remember. Oh. So, I, you know, I know people always thank their editors, but genuinely my editors were, you know, shaped, shaped a big lump of clay with a hole in the middle into a bowl because I thought I'd handed them a, I, I thought I'd handed them a fully formed bowl and they were like, no, you can't eat out of that. Uh, well, uh, speaking of the, cre the creation of the book, um, the book contains some really cool illustrations by Luna Valentine. Yeah. What was it like for you? Like, what level of um, collaboration did you have with her? And what was it like when you saw your characters illustrated for the first time? It was really interesting. So I drew, I sketched a little outline of what I saw the, the, the cover being and what I thought Charlie and George looked like. Um, and then the publishers found this girl, uh, Luna Valentine, and showed me some of her drawings and I just thought yeah she's amazing she is absolutely amazing and then she sent in a picture of Charlie and George Charlie was pretty much what I thought she would be but a little bit more stylish George was completely different to the way I had drawn him but I'd, I'd made him way more nerdy looking <laughs> she made him a little bit cooler and I kind of looked at it and thought 
my first thought was, no, 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 I want him this way. And then I thought, well, no, hang on. She's, she's read what I've written. And if that's how she sees George, then that's probably how other people will see George. Um, and then I kind of looked at him. The more I looked at him, the more I went, oh, I kind of get him now. It oh, was weird. Wow. Her, her, drawer, her, her illustrations gave me a better sense of who Charlie and George were in a way. Um, and then there was a little bit, I mean, I've, I've not met her. I've, I've, we've emailed each other. Um, there were various moments throughout the book where the editors thought, oh, uh, you know, a, an illustration would go well here. And then Luna sent some stuff back. And then occasionally there'd be a back and forth. Occasionally I'd say, oh, I think this person looks a bit more like this. But, um, but no, she, I, I, I love the illustrations that she's come up with. I think they really add to the story. And like I, I read a little online review from a 10-year-old who said it was nice to put a face to the name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a really lovely way of putting it. I, I feel like, look, let's talk about Charlie and George because they're such a great okay. show. And, um, and they, they make a wonderful crime-solving team, but also their friendship is, just comes through really beautifully and is really special in the book. And now I'm going to ask you a really impossible, cruel question that I don't even think I could answer. But okay. can you pick a favourite between your two lead characters? Or oh! Both equally? <laughs> no, I tell you what, um, I can't pick a favourite, but my favourite, Char- no, because my favourite Charlie and George scenes are when they're together. Mm. Um, originally, I'm not sure if it even ended up in the, originally I wrote, no, originally I kind of wrote some scenes where they were off on their own and they were quite jarring. <laughs> it really, it, it really didn't sit right. Um, but no, I always notice when I'm writing that when the two of them sit down and bounce ideas off each other or just bounce off each other generally, they're my favourite scenes to write. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and what would happen, genuinely, what would happen is I'd be writing a conversation with them and one of them would come out with a joke that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it was quite, it was, they had taken on a life of their own. So as I was writing, you know, Charlie said this and then George said this, and then I could just see the interaction between them. But yeah, every now and then they would surprise me with something they said. And I'd be like, Oh, I didn't expect that. That's a really good joke, George. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, I definitely don't have a favorite, I think, but, I think they are both at their best when they're with each other. They really do just seem to bring out the best in each other and just have such a beautiful bond. It, it's like the nicest part of the book, I feel. Like it's, it's so fun. There's all this stuff going on, international art thefts and rock star glamour lives and detecting and, um, yeah, school rivals and there's it's like loads of fun, but just at the heart of it, there's just this beautiful friendship. Um, I you you happened to mention that you're working on book two. Are you able to like uh, expound on that a bit? How long of a series do you think um, would you foresee this being? Uh, I don't know. That's to answer your second question first. I don't know how long the series is. I've certainly got book two, and I've got an idea for book three. Um, I, I, I don't know how much longer it would go after that, but there's, there's every possibility it could keep going. Um, book two is movie star detectives. Excellent. So Charlie and George in book two, are, are making a movie. 
how much can I give away? Basically, <laughs> they've they turned everything that happened in book one into a film script, and someone bought the film script. So in in book two, they're making a movie about everything that happens in book one. Oh my god, are they playing themselves? Well, no. So Charlie's playing herself, but George isn't. George, uh, George is, is not confident enough in his own abilities to get in front of the camera. So uh, he's behind the camera. Charlie's playing herself um, at the moment. Anyway, like this is only first draft. I don't want to say too much <laughs> because I don't want to give it away. But because so what happened with the first book was I wrote the first draft and gave it to my daughter to read. And probably halfway through reading it, I got all the edit notes back and went, oh, OK, we'll I have to change this and change this and change this. And then eventually, then I sent her, the, gave her the second draft and she was like, but this is different to what I read. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. And then she kind of went, do you know what? You go and write it and I'll read it when it's finished. <laughs> she, so, she's wise. I shouldn't ask you too many questions about a book you're in the process of writing. <laughs> I know, you know, you know, cut to a year's time where you and I are talking and we're like, yeah, it turns out it's cruise liner detectives. <laughs> Please make that book three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no reason it couldn't be, to be honest. You know, there's, I think in my head, this in the entertainment industry, there's so many different ways their careers could go. And, uh, you know, I, I could imagine the next book where they're making a movie and maybe the one after that, they're at a comedy festival. They could be performing on a cruise. They, you're exactly right. There's, they didn't get to do... Uh, Oh, they were planning a US tour in the first book, so there could be US tour detectives. Yeah, oh my goodness. I mean, to be out. honest, the way kids the way kids get into media right now, I think TikTok detectives is gonna have to enter there some point. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. I wanted to ask you a question that I do like to ask all the kids' books authors. That oh come, yeah. Which is um, I love knowing what books you loved most when you were a kid, because I feel like it really kind of I mean, I think generally speaking, the books we love as children really have a huge effect on us as we yeah. Yeah, go through life. So what were your foundational kids' books when you were growing up? Every uh, When I think of kids' books, the first one I think of uh, is, is an author called Paul Zindel. But that wasn't really a kid's book. Like I was probably in high school, so maybe 13 when I got into Paul Zindel. It was, I, I guess it was young adult, but it was also comedy. And I think that's why I really clicked with it. I liked, it's probably the first time I had read anything that classed as comedy, really. Um, and so that's why I, I really, I had that in the back of my mind when I was writing this book is that I wanted it to be funny enough that kids would, would enjoy and laugh at. Um, but the weird thing about Paul Zindel is I couldn't tell you any of the story. I remember the names of the books. I think there was My Darling, My Hamburger. There was uh, The Pig Man, I think. I couldn't tell you what they were about, but I just remember the comedy in these books. I remember loving reading jokes for the first time or reading humorous writing. So, yeah, those were the ones. Those and uh, Charlie Brown <laughs> comics. Charlie Peanuts. Brown's yeah. I still give Peanuts compilations as, um, um, as gifts to people because I still think that the, the, the wisdom of Peanuts is the wisdom of life. I think I live my life. <laughs> I'd live my life more by peanuts than I do by the Bible. That's wise life advice, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> the word according to Snoopy. <laughs> oh, well, you, we're, we're kind of at the point where we need to start wrapping things up. You sort of 
I answered this question a little bit already, but maybe um, maybe there's a little bit more you wanted to say. You mentioned a review that you had read and the, the book's been out for a couple of weeks now and I've seen some lovely reviews from kids online and I just wondered if there was one in particular, aside from the one you already mentioned, <laughs> that really, like, touched you. Yeah, um, let me say, I've got, do you know what? I've taken a few screen grabs of them. There was one that said... Um, what was it? My mum got angry with me because I wouldn't go to sleep. <laughs> Another one that's, if someone's, if someone's not, I mean, I know kids don't like to go to bed generally, but if someone's reading my, staying up and reading my book to the point that they're not going to sleep, then that's probably a good sign. Um, there was, there was one where a woman said some of my son's books feel like a chore to read, but not this one. I'm enjoying reading it as much as my son is enjoying listening to it. And oh. I think that, um, that really, that made me happy because that's what I wanted. I wanted it to, to be a book that I didn't want it. To, I, I wanted to talk to kids like they're grownups because I know with my daughters, they don't like to be talked down to. They don't like to be talked to as if they're kids. They like you to assume that they're intelligent and mature and you can talk to them normally. And I thought if I write that, if I write the book in that way, then kids will get into it, but parents will get into it as well because, you know, they don't feel like they're reading a kid's book. Do you know what? My favourite, so I did a schools visit last week, a virtual schools visit here in the UK to about 200 schools, all watching on Zoom. Um, and one guy wrote to say that my daughter, he said, my daughter came home from the schools visit buzzing, uh, took her pocket money straight away and went and bought your book, but then wrote, she's dyslexic, so she doesn't really like to get into reading. And, and this is the first book she's got really excited about. Oh, wow. That, yeah. That's beautiful. Because that's what you want, isn't it? When, you, when you're writing a kid's book, when, certainly when I was writing this one, you know, George is in a wheelchair for a reason. I, mm. I kind of wanted to, I wanted kids to, to just come to terms with disability and, and to realise that, that disability can be an advantage. Like George sees Charlie. The reason he meets Charlie is because he's sitting lower than everybody else and he sees her across the playground. He spots clues throughout the book that nobody else spots because he's on a different angle to everybody else. He, he, there's a wheelchair chase where he's faster than everybody else because he's going downhill in a wheelchair. So <laughs> I wanted kids to walk away from the book and look at disability differently and not just go, oh, hey, disabled people are normal. I wanted them to go, well, actually, sometimes having a disability can be an advantage. So to hear things like that, that like this, the, this little girl who, who um, has this dyslexia wanted to read the book, it, that's, you know, those are, those are the little things that kids remember. And if you can plant a little seed like that, then maybe it grows into something bigger. Oh, my gosh, that's so heartwarming. I'm like, <laughs> I can't think of a better note to end on. <laughs> that, was, that was really, that was very beautiful. And I think it, that's exactly how I feel about the book. The book is just totally heartwarming, loads of fun, funny, and just I, I, anyone who's got a middle-grade reader out there um, hungry for a read should really should really check it out. I'm getting a bit salesy at the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so I'll, I'll say, Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, likewise. Thank you. I really enjoyed that chat. And thank you so much for what you said about the book. It means, it means everything. Oh, well, for everyone listening, really, I highly recommend you grab your copy of Rockstar Detectives by Adam Hills 
at your local bookstore or online at Booktopia. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and never stop reading. Thanks to Adam Hills. You can find links to all books discussed today in our show notes or head over to booktopia.com.au. Stay tuned for a very special week next week where we'll be bringing you not two, but three interviews. First up, we'll be sitting down with our Book of the Month author for March, which will be unveiled on March 1st. Then, in our traditional Wednesday slot, we'll be sitting down with Sarah Runke, director of the Brisbane Writers' Festival, to discuss the upcoming 2022 version of the festival. And then lastly, join us on Friday for a conversation with Erin Barnett, author of Endo Unfiltered, in conjunction with the launch of Endo Awareness Week. Thanks for listening, and never stop reading.